welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Podcast. Hey, friends and family, gather round. It's time for another week of Cannon Fodder. My name is Joe O'Brien. And I am eight-legged cat lover, Troy LaValle. Troy, it's so weird. You don't sound like you're on the phone. I know. I actually have to see you in person this week. Isn't it fantastic? It was my uh, it was my Christmas break that came early where I didn't have to hang out with you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, your eye looks great. Oh, thanks, buddy. Thanks. Yeah, I had a, had a bit of a sty situation. <laughs> And it looked like I had a golf ball it looked out like, of my eye. It looked like an eight-legged cat went at your face. <laughs> I think it was God punishing me for what I did to Lexington. <laughs> yes, yes, you earned it. Well, we are recapping this week, episode 80 of the Glass Cannon Podcast, and talking a little bit behind the scenes. We got a listener mail. We have some, some juicy stuff to cover here. All in all, though... Not too complicated of an episode from a story standpoint, from a role-playing standpoint. For the most part, it was an intense combat where the all the, a great deal of the focus was on this tiny, well, not tiny, technically small, rabid, eight-legged, horrifying to imagine <laughs> cat creature that just really got the better of us. What was the deal with that thing? I want to cut right to the chase on this. It's the Gorum... Gorum's thorax? Is that what it was? <laughs> That's right, Gorum's thorax. <laughs> it's called an Orm vorax, uh, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a bit of a beast. Now, not surprisingly, I added, bit of a magical beast. I I added that to the combat because I didn't think the troll was going to be beefy enough. For you know, you guys. I kn- I absolutely knew that you. you it comes running in from the side, like <laughs> right at Lexington. I knew that that was added in. Well, it, it, it's also from the back of the book. Like I've mentioned this before, in the back of all these adventure paths, they have a bunch of random encounters that the PCs can run into. Da, da, da. And so I like to, when I'm looking to beef up an encounter, I like to pull from there because they're in there for a reason. They're probably native to the area that you guys are going through. And I just thought, okay, I bet you some, I bet you all of these wimp. PCs are going to stay. I knew this. They're all going to stay outside and just shoot. And then whoever's controlling Umlo will send poor Umlo in to face the troll head on. And then the rest of these guys are just going to be like, it's combat's a joke. So I said, I'm going to <laughs> add something in and make it really, you know, just change change the difficulty. So you targeted Lexington. Well, of all the people who <laughs> are going to stay outside and, and cheap shot the troll, you go for Lexington. I, I wanted to target a PC, but uh, it just happened that Lexington was right there. Easy pick. You know you made up where he came from, right? <laughs> well, I couldn't just have it come out of the sky and land on Baron's head. <laughs> Damn Grant, it. Grant would never forgive me. <laughs> but the Orm Vorax alone, I, I, maybe I didn't even realize this. <laughs> this is kind of uh, bad on my part. It was a CR9 encounter. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> See, I knew that something was off when it, we had done over 100 hit points of damage to it and it wasn't dead. Like, something was definitely wrong in that situation. Well, it had 114 hit points uh, and ferocity and a con of 18. Oh, my God. That was that was just completely mind-boggling. It threw me off my game. You had me on tilt, basically, that whole episode. Yeah. I'm going to blame tilt. Even though I, I can still get behind it, I'm going to blame playing on tilt. Uh, me trying to push the baby off the ledge and catch it. When you told me a die roll would kill it, I was like, I'm just going to do it. The biggest tension in the episode came from your anger at me for attacking Lexington and your anger at Matthew for suggesting that Della could use telekinetic powers to save the baby. <laughs> I was so angry. <laughs> 
angry at this idea. It all revolved around your anger. Exactly, exactly. You threw me off right from the beginning. I was like, why are you going after my wolf? There's no reason for this. But um, the baby situation was, that was a different beast. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, any other stats you can give me? I mean, we knew it was plus 18 to hit on every one of those, or on four of the legs if it was grappling you. It, it's two grapple roll? What it, was that? It has it has a bite plus 18 and four claws plus 18. <laughs> so a full round action is five attacks plus 18. Uh, and they all have a chance to grab. It's got a plenty, plus 24 to grapple. I mean, it had ferocity. DR, plus 24 to grapple? <laughs> DR10 for piercing or... Uh, DR10 slash piercing or slashing and resist fire 10 and immune to poison with an AC of 23 and 114 hit points. And all of its saves, its lowest save was a plus 7 to its will save. Yeah. I mean, it had plus 14 fortitude, plus 12 reflex. For a tiny little creature, a tiny little magical beast, it was... Uh, I think this was designed to be far later in this book than, than here, CR9. I, I stand by my well, decision. Hey, well, we beat it, but you know, you did have to be a little bit friendly. You could absolutely have taken out Lexington easily. Mm-hmm. You could have probably taken, you could have taken out Willamette as well easily, uh, but you kept it moving from creature to creature to create that havoc, which I still think was really fun. And it does make sense now that you would have it move from creature to creature if you kind of realize in the middle of the combat that this thing is incredibly deadly. Right, I realized pretty early on, as when it was going after Lexington, I'm like, oh, I could kill Lexington in two rounds with my eyes closed, and with his hit points at full. Right, and, and his AC at 23, and 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 then when when it when it when it grappled Willamette, I realized the same thing could happen to Willamette in two <laughs> rounds. So I had a choice I had to make. The point of me beefing up the encounter wasn't to kill you guys. It was to add another element so that you couldn't all just gang up on the troll and it would be a boring uh, encounter. I just wanted to add the element of nature and see how you guys handled it. Now, I will say, had you all just said, uh, Lexington will be fine, I would have killed Lexington. Yeah, yeah, No yeah. problem. And then if they had left you, Willamette, to uh, to fend for yourself, I would have I would have killed you as well. Yeah, but um, you could see that everybody was turning to this threat and right. really focusing on it and our roles were going really poorly. Yes, and mine were all... I, mean, I, already, I already had a plus 18 to hit, but I rolled like 17, 18, 19, 20 in a row. Was, right in a row! It was ridiculous. My rolls for the past couple of weeks have been insane. That didn't help my anger, by the way. You are 17, 18, 19, 20 in a row. Troy's gonna roll! Troy's gonna roll! <laughs> oh, we're gonna need a new one for that! <laughs> Nick Lowe. Um, I, I have to ask you a question, okay? This is... Uh, after we recorded, I didn't think about this. Mm-hmm. couple days, didn't think about this. Now, listening back to the episode, I, I thought about something that had me kind of uh, cringing. Oh. And, I, and I wanted to know your thoughts. Did we mess up a rule? Uh, no, <laughs> no. Uh, though I'm sure we did somewhere. Because <laughs> that'll no, make you cringe. This is not what it's about. It's not about rules here. This is about our philosophy, right? We have a, a general philosophy of how we like to play the game. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, we like to try to make it as realistic as possible. We really love the crunchy rules. We love getting into them because we think, for the most part, the rules really try to make things as realistic as possible. Mm-hmm. When you get down to the crunchiest aspects, all they're trying to do is mimic the limitations of mortal beings in real life it's it's tough to do some of these things it takes an extra couple seconds to pull your to put your sword back in its sheath than it does to drop it little things like that they they account for right even though we're dealing with high fantasy and we're dealing with people that are getting progressively stronger and more powerful and like superhuman the the rules are there to ground that so that even right. the most powerful people have the element of reality that they're they have limits. constantly fighting against they have limits they, you know there has to be limits somewhere else there's no interest so my question is this in the moment when 
Willamette was at the doorway. The troll had put Umlo down unconscious and dying. He ends up at, uh, I believe, negative one or something like that and was stabilized. He rolled to stabilize and stabilized. Willamette is in melee range with him and he just now sees Lexington get grappled and getting torn apart. And I'm torn. I say like, oh, I gotta go help Lexington or, or help Umlo. He looks like he's dying in front of me. And I say, I don't, Willamette doesn't know that he is that he has stabilized right right and i think i'm trying to play the game by our philosophy the way we play in the gcp which is trying to be as realistic as possible trying to suspend the what you play what you as a player know versus what your character knows and so i lay on hands umlo which is essentially a death sentence for umlo it just it just immediately kills umlo if the troll is not killed in that next round, right. which it happens to be. And I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't know that that was going to happen. I was just trying to act on instinct, act as Willamette on instinct, and, and lay on hands here. My question is, is that being a good player or is that being a shitty player? Because you know the rules of the game. It is still just a game. It's just a strategy game. It's just a, ch- a game of chess. And if you do something that you 100% know is going to kill another character because you're trying to... Because you're saying that my character couldn't see that he was stabilized. Meanwhile, there is an argument that you could. You, you could maybe tell that he was stabilized. And I think a lot of players out there would be like, oh, he's stabilized. I'm not going to like lay on hands on him right now because right. I'll just bring him up and he'll get killed. So the question is, which is, you know, it's not necessarily the right way to play, but... Should I be thinking more metagame-wise in order to make Willamette a better ally, a better character? You know what? I'll throw one more example at you. Maybe this will flesh out the question a little bit better. I think that one's a little cut and dry in that it was, yes, just stupid. But how about the creature is on Lexington, right? He runs to Lexington, and I say, I just want to pry it off. And you're like, roll a wisdom check. You know that you're not going to be able to pry this creature off, which is so frustrating to hear. It's just like... Well, I mean, I want to desperately try. Like, that's the the scene I imagine. And you're like, you could attack it. And I'm like, I'm going to pull out my longsword and just swing it at this smaller creature that's on Lexington when Lexington is dying right in front of me. I'm just going to swing my sword at it. Well, by the crunchiest rule, in, of the crunchiest rules, one of the crunchiest systems out there, you can melee attack a creature in a grapple in melee with no penalty. Yep. There's no penalty to that. Now, I personally like disagree with that rule, so I play it as such. But, and so I lay on hands Lexington and bring him from unconscious to conscious and just could basically kill Lexington <laughs> by playing what I consider to be the quote-unquote right way to play. Am I playing like an idiot? That's my question. I don't think so, because that's why it's, it's a, you have a GM there who is, even the most evil GM should be appreciative of a character trying to role-play the way he or she believes their character would act in that situation. So if you're going to do something that ultimately would just allow my monster to then kill that character the next round, I have to judge like, well, he's doing that because he's trying to save this character. So if I just kill it, it, it you're going to lose trust in me as a GM. You're, it's going to make you take less risks like that in the future. And, and I enjoy stuff like that because it's good story. Now, there may be a time where... I'm gonna I'm gonna kill it anyways. But it's, if I do that, it's because 
it was going to be better for the story that way. And then your character is going to have to live with the decision it made. But I think from, you know, the general things like this, you know, a relatively minor encounter uh, such as this, it would be really shitty of me to do something like that, you know? Sure. And I didn't, that didn't occur to me. I wasn't like, oh, well, Troy won't kill him if I, uh, I, you know, I was just trying, I was just trying to think as realistically in the scene as possible. And it, like I said, it didn't bother me during the session, didn't bother me right after the session. A few days later, though, now looking back and, and re-listening to it, I'm just sitting here thinking, I, I do still have to play the rules of this game, in, you know, in order to be an effective character. That's why I think you should have attacked it. Because if you attack it, yes, Lexington is going gonna, is gonna to be unconscious, but Lexington will probably stabilize. And then I have a, a reason for the Orem Vorax to turn its attention towards Willamette yeah. rather than just... And I don't think I had to force it. It thought it killed... Lexington, so now it's moving on to the next person. It wants to kill everybody, so it has meals for the next, right. you know, week. Yeah, so I think there is a certain je ne sais quoi, je ne sais quoi. I don't know how to put it about playing, you know, the game by the rules as written. In that you don't take a penalty to attack a creature that's grappled. There must be a reason for that. I mean, in my mind, I don't see why that is because I see like a heck, a hectic frantic, fast-moving situation in which you could seriously hurt your ally. But they don't write that into the rules for some reason. I don't think it's an oversight. I think they're thinking of something that I'm not thinking of. Maybe you just, you're a skilled fighter. You take your time. You wait for the right moment. And that's what that role is. You're just waiting for the right moment. I'm totally fine with, even if it's a correct rule, a player such as yourself who just thinks that rule is ridiculous. It wouldn't make sense for my character to do that, even though I technically can do it by the rules. And we've come across this in a number of our games. I'm totally fine with you not doing it. But if the other guy says, well, no, I can do it. I want to do it. I'm fine with them doing it as well. You know what I mean? I I enjoy people playing the reality of the situation. You know, I think all the way back to... um, the Iwiga fight and the Bramblebright fight. Like, Baron was trying to take shots. Oh, you know what? A perfect example is uh, when that Zatabay had Galabras in its claws and uh, Baron was, like, shooting around the corner to try and pinpoint shoot a little vine that was grabbing around its leg. Technically, he can do that. And yes, he is a marksman. This is, you know, the closest thing to, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood, the man with no name. But it just seems ridiculous that he would take that shot. Right. You know, and now we have the house rule. If he misses, it's going to hit the person. I mean, that's a perfect example where I should have just been like, all right, I'll let you do it. But it seems ridiculous. But he has every right to do that because there is no rule against that. But I, I would prefer if people are like... No, that's just ridiculous. Or take the risk and let there be a repercussion. But maybe there, maybe the rule is that way for a reason. Think yeah. about how many rules they have. They have such a ridiculous amount of rules. Maybe it's like that because they do give a certain credence to the fact that these heroes are heroes. Yes, you know, and that's something and, I forget as a GM. Like these are superheroes. You know, they right, like, exactly. Have to be a little bit more uh, Baron, aware of that. Sheriff Baron is no mere mortal. Right. <laughs> He's a man outside of time. Yeah, sometimes I forget, you know, no matter what level you are, that you guys are better than any mortal. <laughs> much, <laughs> much, much better, and I have to take that into account. Well, you said going in that the troll did not seem like it was going to put up much of a fight, really, and you ended up being right there. That went down quicker than I expected. It went down pretty fast. Did you, so you threw the uh, Orem Vorax in. Mm-hmm. Did you expect us going in to save the baby? I did, yeah. I did. And do you think that you thought that that would happen? Uh, yeah, I, I was surprised that you, uh, while playing Umlo, decided to do a daring thing because I would have 100% if you had rolled, you know, less than a four 
had had the baby die. Yeah. Um, and there's repercussions for for things like that. Sure. Not to mention the uh, the emotional uh, situation, the way it would see this was the a situation where I really felt like you were not going to have that baby drop out of the ceiling if Umlo went out and fought the uh, Orm Vorax, and that we could buy some time for Della to go in. I thought that that could happen from a metagame standpoint. I was thinking as Umlo looking at you were you kept reiterating that it could fall at any second, mm-hmm. and so I just didn't want to leave that baby. I don't know, and I think that it makes Umlo a, a little bit more of a sympathetic character. I think it makes him seem like the the good guy. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Well, Troy, oh boy, I want to get to the the heart of the matter here. It's a little thing called listener mail. Now, what is that? Is this a new segment? <laughs> Little harmony in there. I do that every week. Oh man. Oh man. Do it again. I want to try it again. That sounded again really good. Week. I'm going to have to record that and then put it into the drop. Cue that bikini. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, our question this week comes from Andrew in Pittsburgh who asks, Joe, what's it like to never have won a Super Bowl when Pittsburgh has won six? (laughs) He didn't really ask that. (laughs) But I saw he was from Pittsburgh, and I was like, I can feel him sneering at me across the state. You do not like Pittsburghians. Well, that, that I don't like asshole Steeler fans. So those are two different things. Uh, hey, guys, I was wondering what your opinion was on retconning entire portions of playtime because something disastrous occurred. I just started running Jade Regent through the GCP subreddit Discord group. Ooh. By the way, this is a group that is running because of the GCP sub a few weeks back. And in our second session, the unthinkable happened. TPK. The group was in shock. I was in shock. I couldn't think of a way in that second to make it so everyone didn't die. As we discussed it afterward, the immediate thought was just to act like the entire encounter never happened. Back things up to a point where the players could redo it. I hate the idea of retconning things, and I don't want to take it easy on the players, but in extreme cases, should GMs consider wiping the slate clean? I just want to add to this question that it is, in point of fact... An extreme situation when it is the second session of a brand new group brought together and you TPK them, you sick Steeler fan bastard. <laughs> no, 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 please. Your thoughts, That's Troy. amazing. Well, you know, a lot of people may not know what retcon is. Do you know what retcon stands for? No. Retroactive continuity. Ah. Yeah, it's a... Uh, a literary device, and now I'm reading this from Wikipedia, in which new information is added to already established facts in the continuity of a fictional work. Ah. Now, we use it in the gaming community for situations like this. Something happens, and then the GM or somebody realizes they made a mistake, and we're like, oh, well, it's just retcon. It never happened. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, strike it from the record. Strike it from the record. So, in this case, a TPK. So. What oh, would boy. you do if you, Troy, were the GM of that game? Besides spend the, the that night celebrating which is obviously the first thing you would do <laughs> right once the players campaign once the players came to you crying and said we love our characters please oh please can we just go back and pretend it never happened can we reload the save what would you say absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> You soulless bastard. Well, here's the thing. Now, everybody GMs in a different way, obviously. But if it got to that point, it sounds like they had a lot of opportunities to save themselves. And they didn't. <laughs> and it's and I mean, unless the GM was just 
I mean, maybe uh, he was just rolling, and that's what came out. And sometimes that happens. You just yeah. got to go with the die. Yeah. And you know, if he did, he can always pull back a little bit. Let I think we said before, what are you going to do in the face of a TPK? Let one of them survive, so they can run off and tell the story of the TPK. But in this instance, you know, I I think retconning that would be a disservice to the game. Maybe it would be better for the overall story because these people built these characters and they wanted to see their lives. Uh, you know, played out in the in the longer scope of the adventure, but to do that, to retcon that is a disservice to the game. A TPK is something that should happen from time to time. Now, the second session of an adventure, that's insane to me that that <laughs> happened, but, you know, I don't know. I That's why I like, I like playing video games so that I can go back to a, a fresh save, and I like playing uh, tabletop RPGs because what happens, happens. That's my favorite part of the game. It is, it is done. My problem with retconning it and i'll say this just quickly to agree with you and then obviously i'll disagree with you my problem with retconning it is you run the risk especially in a new group especially in the second session of harming the integrity of your game Mm -hmm. if right out of the gate you essentially cheat and everybody (laughs) does it's a group agreed upon cheat is that game Three books from now, does it still have a little asterisk in the corner? Right. You got to ask yourself, is that little asterisk there? When you have that epic battle where you take down that epic boss in Jade Regent Book 3, which, by the way, you and I know who that is, (laughs) do you have a little asterisk next to it? I couldn't live with it. I I couldn't. It would drive me insane. It would drive me insane. Now, that said, here are two main points. One, it is your game. It is your game 100%. That's what this game is designed to be. It is designed top to bottom to give you a guide on how to play, and then it is your game to play. You as the GM and as the players. You guys group together. You make decisions together about how you want to play it, what means, what what the integrity of the game means to you. If you don't ever envision any of you an asterisk being on that further down the line on that story, then by all means, like there is nothing wrong with rebooting it. I have thought about this many times. I've had many groups come close to TPKs where I considered, you know, would I go back? Would I retcon it? And I haven't, you know, necessarily cut out that option, especially when you're dealing with characters with long-term Mm storylines that you want to get to. Like when you really want to get to important story and an unexpected encounter gets unexpectedly out of control, then it's, uh, yes, it is on you as a GM to stop that TPK from happening in the moment and make the players feel like it came close, but you didn't change anything. That's hard to do in your second session with a new group at level one. I get that. (laughs) I 100% get that. But it's also a matter of context, right? It's how are the roles going? If you were critting on every role and they were failing on every role, then it's like, that's the T, that happened. The dice gods have spoken. Right, that story happened. Now, if there was even the slightest screw up in rules on your part, if you gave some creature two attacks when it didn't have them, if you forgot about one of them being sickened for one round and that two points is what put them over, you know, below their con, I cl- clear the whole encounter. You yeah. have you have a little ability there to say, I can wipe this whole thing away. I have an excuse to retcon it. But I, you know, for me, I would tend to agree with you in a general sense, all things being equal, the roles causing the problem, no rules changing, no rules being misinterpreted. 
I think that you keep the TPK. And you know what? Even if your players want to make all their characters their identical twins or, you know, they're all related to their former character in some way and they're the same classes and they have the same abilities. Whatever. It's fine. I wouldn't even allow that. See, I would allow it because (laughs) there is a new reality there. There there is a new, at least to me, some level of the integrity of the game is intact. I mean, think about like... There are games, I, I saw a play once about a D&D uh, that Skid took me to. It was this, this hysterical play. And in one of the running themes with, was that this one character was playing like James the 16th. And he was just a rogue <laughs> named James that had died 16 times over the last 25 years. And every time he died, he just was James the 8th, James the 9th. And uh, they have this great part where they talk about Tomb of Horrors. And he lost like 11 of them in Tomb of Horrors <laughs> in that one module. But if you want to play the game that way and your group thinks it's fun and you think it's fun, I think that that's great. Yeah, and I mean, and Andrew, I got I to gotta call you out on that too. Like if you, at a certain point, you must have seen that TPK coming. So if you wanted to allow that to happen, then you did it. Now, if you, <laughs> even if it was subconscious, if there was a point where you're like, oh, I really don't want this to be a TPK, or this is what am I going to do if this is a TPK, then maybe turn some of those 18s into 10s behind the screen. You know what I mean? Like, oh, miss, you know, keep them, keep them alive, keep one of them alive, kill one of them, right? You know, but you could you, have some heart, like some creature come out of nowhere that hates, you know, goblins, right? And is and all the goblins run away. Right, or they knock you all unconscious and then they just run off. Oh, we killed them, but they're not, you guys are just bleeding out or whatever. Right, and you could make an argument. It's like, oh, where's the integrity of the game there? We would know the GM did that. Well, okay, you could think that the GM did that. The GM could even later tell you that he did that. But but that story still existed in your mind. That fiction happened, you know? Yeah, he made it up out of nowhere, but the fiction happened. You can envision it. In this case, an entire parallel universe happened that you're saying you're just going to wipe out and reboot? Yeah, yes, there are ways that you can do it. I just don't think you or I would prefer to do that. That's not our that's not our style. And then that's why the screen's there. That's one of the many reasons why the screen's there. So yes. if you need to pull pull back or if you need to rev up, right. You roll that die, boom, Natty 18. Oh my god, critical fumble. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's what the screen is for. Mhm. All right, well, Andrew, thank you again. I'm sorry about the Steeler jokes. I don't even know that you're a Steelers fan. I was just, uh, <laughs> I'm having a rough season. And I just wanted to uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much for writing in, telling us that story. I'm so glad that you guys on the subreddit are playing. That's awesome. Keep it up. New party, old party, whatever you guys want to do. Just keep playing. Just keep gaming. Keep rolling the dice. That's the best part. And all the rest of you guys that want to write in about your games, tell us little questions you might have about your scenario, situations you're in, please write in to glasscannonpodcast at gmail.com and let us know those stories. Because like I said before, when we had the other Rise of the Rune Lords game with the crazy party, I want to hear about that party. Yes. Right in. I think it was Ryan, right? It was like, right in. Tell us about that party. We want to keep track of some of these stories. We want to know what happens to this Jade Region party. Did you guys use the same party? Did you change it? Let us know and we'll do a little, we'll try to do little follow-ups. And that's all we got for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Troy, it was great to see you in person, even with your horrifying eye. I hope that's not <laughs> contagious. My eye looks great now. What are you talking about? I'm on steroids. I got to get out of here. <laughs> I'm going to wash my hands and get out of here. <laughs> hey, you know what? You were so good. I'm going to let you come back to my apartment next week. We'll do it in person. All right, let's do another one in person. See you next week, buddy. Later. Later.